It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Jeremy White and Bert Deister on ESPN 1520. Welcome to football season. Yep. Welcome to technically... Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. I was going to say fall. Technically, it's not fall. Fall's my favorite season. And uh, right around this time of year, whenever it's really nice out, people that like summer tell me, well, technically, it's still summer. Screw that. It's fall. Yeah. Once September 1st hits, we're into fall, and it feels like fall, and it's wonderful. And that does mean pumpkin spice season. It means pumpkin everything, Halloween costumes. And uh, today we're going to do a pumpkin beer. So that's exciting. Last year, was it last year or two years ago, you like changed the game on the pumpkin beer with uh, the actual pumpkin fermenter? Oh, got it. It's two years ago. Now. Two years ago. Two right. years ago. We'll, now. we'll talk about that. We'll have to get some. Info. I wasn't. I was. That wasn't my. No, but I mean, original just idea to but actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Last week we talked winemaking. Uh, so if you want to get the latest on winemaking, it's also that kind of season as well. So uh, yeah, find any available episode on demand at wgr550.com. Now, quick, just stuff to talk about. Stuff to uh, get to out of the way. Housekeeping. Hops are ready to harvest. Yep. And uh, so if you haven't got them off, get them off soon. And they're going to start going bad. So I wanted to touch just a moment here on what happens when your hops go bad. So the first thing you're going to start to notice is you're going to see the petals are turning brown and dying. So if you're seeing a lot of kind of decay, that's the first sign that you might have gone a little bit too far. You might also see mold growth. Could be, you know, powdery mildew, um, and it could be blue mold. But if you see any mold growth on sections of flowers you want to get rid of those and then the last way to tell to make sure your hops are not bad is to actually take them down and open them up if you open up the inside you should still see that pollen is being nice and crystal kind of look like coarse sugar crystals scattered throughout the interior of the flower if you have a rancid smelling kind of goo they've gone a it's a pretty bad. good indicator not, not to, to use yeah. them yeah a rancid goo yeah so it should be you know, obvious. If you tear them up, either you have wonderful smells and, and there's still kind of some crystals in there, you're good to go. If you go to grind it up and you get a bunch of goo and it smells kind of stinky, cheesy, time to So throw that it away. seems like it's pretty easy. You're like, hey, should I make beer with this? Well, it smells terrible. Don't make beer with right. it. Right. Bad idea. Okay. Um, coming up later this month, what is what? Beer tasting and bottle exchange. It's so, being called. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there was a funny name on this. It's just a typo on the sheet that we're looking at. Yeah. Here. Okay. So in September, abbreviation for September. Yeah. yeah September thirtieth, so, uh, noon to three. We're having a beer tasting, uh, and while that Niagara tradition is being uh, kind of hosted by the Niagara Association Homebrewers, the Sultans of Swig, and Das House Brewers. So it's going to be a great way to try homebrew. It's going to be a great way to try some beers from outside the area and limited releases that people will be bringing in. But while you're there, folks from these beer clubs will be kind of fighting over you mm-hmm. um, and trying to get you to join the different clubs. And, and I think we've promoted the clubs a lot, but we can't do it enough. It's really uh, a great place for learning uh, to have a bunch of people all under one roof, all with different specialties uh, in their brewing, uh, all with different taste buds. Um, you get a lot of different insights that you just are not going to get anywhere else. We've talked about those uh, brewing clubs a few times, but never like not all that much lately. Um, 
and you you've been very high on like if you're gonna get into this, it's a great it's a great way to get in the community, be motivated to do more, to he, to get more feedback, to do all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and, and I think one of the big things is you know, you can do a lot of reading and spend a lot of time online, but when you get advice from somebody face to face, I think it sticks a little bit better. Um, you have a story that they might have to kind of help you remember, you know, the steps you need to take, but also. If you're reading books by commercial brewers or, you know, large-scale home brewers, this big fancy equipment, it's nice to talk to somebody who does party guile, like, in a cooler, in five-gallon buckets, just like you're trying to do. Um, it's going to be a little more confidence-inspiring. Okay. And I think one thing you'll find out when you get to the clubs and you start talking to these really experienced brewers is that you'll find that really brewing experience weighs high over um, – uh, expensive equipment and stuff like that. A lot of these great brewers don't have fancy equipment, um, and they make great beer. And they can help pass those techniques on to you. All right. So that's September 30th, Tasting and Bottle Exchange with Niagara Association of Home Brewers, Sultans of Swig, and uh, Das House Brewers as well. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you noticed that like the different associations have different styles? Do they tend to drift one way or the other? Um, maybe not different styles but they definitely have different formats to their meetings that's for sure and um, the heaviest drinking one i'll, I'll join that one <laughs> I'm that's, that's a that's a tough <laughs> that would be the toughest question there I, I would think i'll go back to what styles do they most often make right um but uh they uh they all meet um regularly once a month um they usually do sometimes organized tastings um and this will be your beers so you'll bring a sample of your beer. Everybody will drink it. Everybody will take some notes. Everybody will comment on it, and that's going to get you great feedback. All right. So they, really with the clubs, um, you drink near where you live. And with the different clubs, they tend to focus in on different regions of western New York. Um, so if you're Niagara County, you want to be a Niagara Association. If you're, you know, Buffalo and Southern Buffalo, you're probably going to be a Salton's a Swig member. If you're in the South Town probably looking at Das House Brewers, and if you're out, you know, east, you're probably looking at Unihau or upstate New York, so the Rochester Club. So really the club's kind of, you know, if you were looking at which club to join, it's really based off of where you live, where you're going to be able to get to meetings. Draft supplies available. You might need picnic taps for uh, football games if you want to bring kegs to private lots, not allowed in the Bills lots. Uh, cleaning supplies, replacement parts, you guys are loaded up on that. And we've been saying it each and every week, cryo hops available. Yep. Are you seeing numbers go up or more and more people kind of dabbling? Yep, we see, it's starting to see more study sales, I think, as people get recipes together, as they try the ones that we have at the store. So if you're interested to try cryo hop beer, we have a couple at the store. Um, it builds a little more confidence. They have some time to sit down make some recipes, and so we're starting to see those move a little bit more. Um, and while the flavors are wonderful, the, the biggest thing that we find uh, people loving is the efficiency. Um, you can get a lot more flavor into a really high alcohol, a big imperial IPA with these cryo hops, uh, and lose a lot less beer than you would with traditional hop pellets. And right. So that's probably been the most popular bit with them so far. All right. So let's get into pumpkin beer. Let's start it and then finish up the meat of it after we get to our break. Uh, it is pumpkin season. I, I've been seeing them on the shelves for a little bit. And you've got – this is uh, – do we start every year by saying it's not really pumpkin that it tastes like? It's nutmeg, it's vanilla, it's cinnamon, it's yep. pumpkin pie spice. You got it. And, and it's just like every year it, it seems to me, and I guess you seem very excited. I seem very 
apprehensive here is uh, for every brewer, both commercial and, um, you know, amateur, this time of year, you kind of get forced into making uh Pumpkin beer. Like winter, it slowly just rolls over you. It's, I mean, I guess for me, being a home brewer and making a pumpkin pie beer is like the barista being forced to make the pumpkin spice latte. Right. I, Here I'm, it is. It's generic. I'm with you. I have moved past pumpkin beers for the most part. Um, you know, I know there are, if you're going to make for a large group of people, say you're going to have some sort of like fall party, it's a good, it's going to be popular oh, in that yeah. respect. But, you know, I would. I'd be careful about making it and just having it on tap because it'll sit there for a while. Yeah, you got it. You'll be really excited till the second about, one. Yeah, halfway <laughs> through the first one. Every night, and then I'll say somewhere in November when you haven't touched it for two or three weeks, and it's just been sitting there since, you know, it's getting to Thanksgiving, and you're wondering if you can pull another growler off, how much you can pawn off on the relatives during the holidays. You really start to get thick of it, and then also the keg could be possibly tainted with some of the spice as well. So you might have a large, you know, kind of a cleaning operation going on after you're finally done with the keg. Um, so it, it is kind of um, not popular, we'll say, among home brewers. So if you're a non-home brewer and you're thinking about asking a home brewer friend, you know, be gentle mm-hmm. if you want them to make a, uh, um, a pumpkin spice beer. So anyway, let's do it. Even though we're not the biggest fans of pumpkin, if you want to make pumpkin beer, here's yeah. how to do it. You won't mean you won't need pumpkin. Well, you won't because it, pumpkin doesn't really give you much. You get some sugars, but for all the work you're going to put into it, you're not going to get much flavor. And when you do, it's going to be this like slight vegetable flavor. So don't stress too much about how you add your pumpkin. It's really only ceremonious. You're adding pumpkin so you say that you did, and that's really it. Right. Um, more important is really kind of what beer do you want to make? If you're serving it for a big group of people, that's going to be a big issue. You want something that's going to be sessionable, that has, you know, no sharp flavors. But so like that, a vegetable-y flavor yeah, to it. Yeah, but you want some flavor in there. You want people to know it's, you know, your quote-unquote fall holiday beer. Um, or if you're making it more for yourself, you might decide to go a little bit more like me. Um... I tend to go more for a Belgian quad, a very dark Belgian quad. I tend to keep the cinnamon, uh, the nutmeg, a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of coriander, pretty simple on the spice, and uh, bottle it. So if I do this right, if I make a big 9% Belgian quad, I bottle it, I keep it around, I have my pumpkin beer and my holiday beer set for about like the next three, four years. So I only have to make the pumpkin beer every three or four years. And that way, when somebody asks me, hey, do you want to make a pumpkin beer? It's like, I already have. Yeah. You want a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I just walk down to the cellar. They age really well. They get better with time. And I go that way. Traditionally, you see a lot of imperial reds, imperial browns um, for pumpkin beers. We, of course, think of pumpkin, you know, is probably the most popular. Um, and I would have to say it's also, I think, gotten a little better over the years. Yeah. And even and, you could even go all the way to stout. They have Warlock, which is kind of like the stout version of pumpkin. It's an mm-hmm. imperial stout with, with a lot of pumpkin tones to it. It's just darker and, you know, heavier. Yeah. So, I mean, once you get to – I think that that's a little – you know, I do think that the pumpkin flavors and all – because everything you mentioned there, whether it's nutmeg or vanilla, 
I, I tend to think that stuff does blend really well in with like the darker malts. Yeah. More so than the lighter stuff where it's just kind of, for my taste, it's like, I, I feel like I'm just drinking sugar. Yeah. And, and it really, it, it's kind of, if you do it right, if you get the light spicing, it doesn't have to be overpowering, it can still go really well with food and it can be a nice little kind of touch to the beer. Um, so if you kind of hide it in the background, it can be okay. Um, but again, with the spicing, if you don't have the spice in your pumpkin beer, nobody is going to believe that it's a pumpkin beer. Um, I think back to a uh, party that I hosted in the fall for a football game, and I had two beers on tap. I had a quote-unquote harvest ale, which had pumpkin and my uh, wet hops in it, trying to continue that vegetable flavor. Um, and so that was a big you know, heavily hot brown ale. And then I also had a holiday spice beer that was a little bit young, but I was putting it on in the fall. And that was just about a six and a half percent brown ale with cinnamon, nutmeg, and vanilla. And both of these beers brewed independently, you know, both six hour work days. Everybody at the party was trying to tell me I put the pumpkin into the wrong beer. Not that that I might have made a bad decision, that I literally forgot which beer I was brewing, and oops, just added the pumpkin to the wrong beer, mm. not thinking that there's a whole, like, you know, two hours of stuck mash right. and, you know, a gelatinous boil um, that you're kind of, uh, you know, watching. So the, to anybody at that party, no, I know which beer the pumpkin went in. You just don't taste it. It was a hoppy beer. Yeah. Trust me. Gotcha. The other one just had cinnamon in it. Right. So, you know, you really want to get the spicing right, and you really want to try to get you know the base style of beer right yep so choose that well that's what's going to be more important that's what you're drinking five gallons of. right so your game plan is important here when we get back we'll take a break real quick we'll go through the process what to do how to do it what to watch out for as uh, we walk you through a pumpkin beer as we enter fall and get into pumpkin spice season jeremy whiteberg deister on niagara traditions just brew it on espn 1520 Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew. Here on Niagara Traditions, just brew it, making pumpkin beer today and walking you through the process. So you've decided you want to make a pumpkin. You've got your game plan. You know how malty you want it to be, what kind of malt you want to use. Uh, so let's go. Let's brew a pumpkin beer. Okay. So the first thing you need to is how am I going to add the pumpkin? And we're, even though we tell you it's not important, we're still going to take you through the, the steps that every brewer tries to get some flavor out of the pumpkin. Whether it really works or not, I don't know. I'm still kind of up in the air on that, but you want to give it a try. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to carve the pumpkin, and you're going to cut the guts into nice little cubes. Uh, you can sprinkle them with a little brown sugar if you want to kind of accelerate things, but then you want to roast them in a hot oven. Um, I would ideally have them all nice kind of dark amber brown, um, but you get some burnt bits. You get some 
that are still quite uncooked. So kind of use your judgment there. But what you're trying to do when you do this, you're trying to create a Maillard reaction. So you're trying to bond some of those sugars together into long chains that become unfermentable. And so what you're hoping is that these sugars carry some flavor of the pumpkin through the fermentation um, and that you're able to retain some of the pumpkin. You probably won't, but give it a try. Right. Also, the roasting will help them stick together a little bit, um, however you choose to use them later. So the first place that everybody wants to use them is in the mash. And congratulations, you have chosen the most difficult option. And uh, any brewer who has ever just taken, ground up some pumpkin, thrown it into their mash tun without doing any research ahead of time, um, quickly realizes that they stick your mash very quickly, very easily. Not only do they have some nice fibrous options, they also have some gelatinous bits that really kind of just pull through the mash bed quick and just find their way to your false bottom screen. If you have one of those braided hoses, you're just done instantly. So, my best option, something that's been belated to me from customers, is put them in a sparging bag first. Keep your rest of your mash just into your mash tun. Get everything set. Get the you know the uh, the strike in so you have your wet grain, your mashing. Then take your pumpkins in a grain sock and then just put them on top of the mash tun. Okay. And they'll they'll kind of leach in some flavor um, as you recirculate. And so this will hopefully prevent some of the fibrous bits and the gelatinous bits as they form as you boil it or kind of you know mash it from getting down into the mash tun. Um, the second place you can use it and this is where I tend to go is into the boil because this is probably your easiest option. Um, you get to ceremoniously use a pumpkin um, but you don't really cause any problems that's going to make your brew day go longer. My longest brew day ever was definitely a pumpkin beer. Sometime around 10, 11 o'clock I decided that just the sparge wasn't working out. I opened up um, the false bottom, scooped what mash I could back into a bag and just left it until the following morning. Got back up at 5, 6 o'clock. Most of my sparge had come out. There was still some water in the mash tun. I took what I had. I boiled it. I moved on. Um, so since that day, I've gone to the boil. You still cube it. You still roast them. Um, but then you just put them in the same grain sock and you toss them into the boil. At the end of the boil, pull them out, squeeze them a little bit, and toss them in the compost bin. It makes the whole process a lot easier. The only really problem you're going to have is you're going to have a little bit more trub because the gelatinous matter is going to kind of, you know, leak out. It's going to hit with the hot break, and you're going to end up with a little bit more trub. So be aware of that. Other than that, you're not really going to see any major problems from putting it into the boil. So that's probably your easiest option. Now, the fermenter. Now, you can use a pumpkin as a fermenter. So you did this. I you, did this. So and I've done it, it a out. couple of times, and you, it, it's fun. You make a jack-o'-lantern without the face. You just you got it. You so just you carve it out. Top, you sanitize your knife. You sanitize your spoon. So take it, hit it with some star sand. Sanitize a 5 drill bit. If you want to do an airlock hole, I don't anymore because I've given up on trying to get the pumpkin to seal. I used to try to use keg lube, wax, you know, tape. Anything I could really get the keg to seal so I could see the you know pumpkin bubbling. Never happened. Never really happened. It finds ways out of there. So I wouldn't even try. So I don't even bother with the drill bit anymore. I just put the lid back on the pumpkin. Get yourself a big pumpkin that can hold a lot yeah. and, and make I sure you say, leave, leave the walls thick. Yes, but stay away from the carving pumpkins. It's really tempting because I've fit a full five-gallon batch into a big carving pumpkin before. But these big carving pumpkins really don't have great flavor. 
Um, so what's happened to me is problems with trying to reuse the pumpkin in the past is first time used to carving pumpkin. Carving pumpkins don't make good pies or, you know, uh, purees or anything like that later. Uh, and then I've also used a, you know, pie pumpkin, but you have a really small pumpkin there, but really great flavor. Um, I would suggest making a small batch and putting it into, you know, one or two of the smaller pumpkins. Um, really makes a big difference when you go to cook it later on. So if you go to make a pie, which you're going to want to do because then you can have your holiday party and you can serve your pumpkin beer with pumpkin pie, all the same pumpkin, um, and it really makes for a great show. Mm -hmm. But like I said, you're kind of limited with the better pumpkins for doing this with size. So the carving pumpkins are going to look great. Just by fermenting in them, you're really not going to impart that many it's, flavors. So if you yeah. want to do it for convenience and looks, go ahead. But if you're planning to use a pumpkin afterwards, use a better pumpkin. If Yeah, and if you're really looking, I mean, what you're doing here and what you're talking about is just, just about every element of the actual use of a pumpkin is for show. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to make it for show, the showiest way to do it is to ferment it in a pumpkin. You got it. So put all your spices, do your stuff, and forget about actually using pumpkin yeah. and just ferment in one, and you get the greatest show you can possibly get. You got it. And, and if you're if you're doing like a, a holiday party, put the pictures up on social media, use it as like the invite, and that should attract some people and so attract some interest, you know, in mm -hmm. the pumpkin beer. So hopefully everybody drinks it so you don't have any left at the end of the night. Yeah. Okay. Now, there are also alternatives to pumpkin. Yes. And if you actually turn the label around on most commercial pumpkin beers or fall beers, you'll find out that they're actually using sweet potatoes or yams to get their flavor. They kind of have that same vegetable flavor, very similar to pumpkin, um, and you get a lot of flavor from two to three sweet potatoes or two yams, a lot more than you will, you know, pounds and pounds of pumpkin guts. You treat them generally just the same way that we talked about treating the pumpkin. So cube them, roast them. You can use them in the mash. You can use them in the boil. Uh, the, you know, yams uh, especially, but also sweet potatoes tend to stay together a little bit better. So I'm not as afraid to use them in the mash, although I'm still using a grain bag to kind of keep them separated but they're going to be a great way to get that vegetable flavor there's a lot more potential um and like i said i kind of like the flavor it gives a little bit better so maybe you decide to do sweet potato or yams in the mash and boil ferment it inside a pumpkin there's your ceremonious pumpkin mm -hmm. and you're all set but the real key here is going to be the spicing. You got it. And we save that for last. If you're going to try to record something year after year, if you're going to be going online and scouring recipes, look at the spicing. Um, not only what spices are used, but how they're using them and how much. Just like our... My, my success, I made one pumpkin beer. It came out, and it came out pretty good. I just flat out used pumpkin pie spice because... The thing you're going to run into if you use all the other ones is different mixes are going to give you good beers that don't taste like pumpkin. You'll end up having what tastes like a harvest beer or, you know, depending if... The, like, yeah, something tends to come out a little bit more right, like if the nutmeg, cinnamon. Yeah. yeah, nutmeg and cinnamon, if they go strong or cloves go strong, now you have a winter beer. So Yeah, you, or, or like the, the pumpkin pie spice has a little bit of anise in it, but I don't really taste it. However, if I try to put anise in my own i literally take out one petal off the star of anise i take out the seed and i cut it in half and it still seems to come through a little bit too mm -hmm. much so i actually use on um, depending on the beer um i think it's a teaspoon which is about the same you use for one pie and i'll use anywhere from one to two and a half teaspoons depending on the style if it's a big beer in the last 20 minutes 
and it gets me a really good flavor. And I'm not saying I have the best flavor out of there, but I say I get a good one. It relates well to people's palates, um, and all I have to do in the last 20 minutes is put in two teaspoons of pumpkin pie spice right out of the jar. And it's tough because it's if you're going to go with raw spice, you have to balance them, like you said, and you have to find the best times to add them all. Right, I, was, I think when I did it, I want to say that I put pumpkin pie spice right into the secondary. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. that, that was where I, like, you know, you can go, it's kind of like making, like any beer, you're going to taste, and especially with a pumpkin beer, taste it. Needs more. Yeah. The other thing I've done is I've made certain teas and extracts. So while we talk about, you know, adding all the spices to the beer, if you want to make yourself a nice little extract so you can quickly, kind of like, you know, Starbucks does, you can quickly pumpkin spice up any beer on tap. Uh, you can soak the spices in rum is a favored option for me. Or you can also boil them in some water on a side pot, strain them really well, and keep that in the refrigerator. And over the holidays, as somebody comes over, much like a lot of brewers do with the fruit flavorings, if somebody comes over and says, oh, do you have a fruit beer? Do you have a pumpkin spice beer? It's like, yeah, sure. You go downstairs, you measure out a little bit of the pumpkin spice spice extract that you've now made. You add that to the beer first. You pour the beer on top of it, and they won't know any the wiser. Um, and I think I'm going to do that this year. I still have some bottles of pumpkin beer sitting around, um, some big imperial, but I think I might try to make an extract this year. And I think I'm going to go for the rum. Mm-hmm. So that will add some richness and will add some sweetness to whatever beer I end up adding it to in the long run. Very good. Well, there's lots of opportunity to make a pumpkin beer. You can, you know, it's all in how strong you want to make it. How, how if like if you're having a fall party, you're going to try to impress people with the fact that you made this, but mm-hmm. not for me. <laughs> yeah, and if you decide to go for it, just because, again, you want to ceremoniously go for it, I would say go light on the spice, go big on the beer, something you can age around, and you'll have it for a while. It won't tie up your draft system. Um, it won't tie up a ton of bottles, uh, and you may end up liking it. How about this? When it comes to the hops, which hops do you find are the Neutral. best? Neutral. I, I just go kind of neutral. Usually bittering only. Um, you don't want them to steal the show. And you got a lot of spices. So those are going to add some bittering elements. And the vegetables. So whether you're going sweet potatoes, you're going pumpkin, they're actually going to add mostly bitterness and you know, kind of some astringency. So you want to go light on the hopping. Stay away from the dry hops and the finished hops. You want to let those spices come through. You don't want to create competition for those aromas. Right. All right. And that's your pumpkin beer. If you want to make a pumpkin beer, have at it. Yep. You know any good clone recipes they post online? There's a good. There's a couple of good. And actually, uh, BYO years ago had a pumpkin clone recipe where they talked with Southern Tier a little bit about their process and stuff like that. So again, is anytime you're making a beer, especially something if you're not familiar with, go online, get as many recipes as you can. Kind of look at the you know the common points between them. If you can try commercial beers and the better if those breweries list their recipes or some hints to their recipes you can kind of use those to kind of gauge what you're trying to make all right that'll do it for us enjoy your pumpkin beer stay away from the pumpkins you don't need it you know just make a beer that tastes like what people think pumpkin tastes like even though people don't eat pumpkin you got it there you go we're back next week same time uh here on espn 1520 this is niagara traditions just brew it on espn 1520 and uh go bills go bills Beer, 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 beer. You've been listening.
listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It. 